Alright, hello and welcome to another Fortnite's episode of Media MD. Glad to be here. <laughs> you threw me off already. It's already it's already started and you've already thrown me off. Um, I'm Ruben Morehouse. Elliot Diebold. And each fortnight on Media MD we prescribe each other a piece of media that the other person has somehow missed. Yes. Alright. So what do you got for me? This fortnight I have something that I found very hard to describe and I had to describe it a lot of times before I was comfortable with the words to categorize it as. It's Worm, and it's a web serial. Wait, so the name is Worm? The name of the thing is Worm, yes. Okay. And it's a web serial, so it's like... Uh, like the... vi- visual or... No, no, like... it's 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 written, it's fiction. Okay. It's uh, the best way I heard it described, someone said to me, oh, so it's like fan fiction, but not for anything. And yeah, that's basically <laughs> what it is. It's like fan fiction, but not about anything, not okay. a pre-existing property. It's original fan fiction, if you will. So yeah, fiction. <laughs> yeah, I guess just. Fi- I mean, it's it's, but it's um, it's serialized as well. So the author published uh, two chapters every, or not chapters, two bits every week. Okay. Um. Yeah. So this is actually a, something that was ongoing for about two or three years. Okay. And from t- I think twenty eleven to twenty thirteen, uh, ended now. Ended a while ago. Um. And as you can imagine, two two and a half years of twice weekly updates means. There's a lot of this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that does sound like a lot. I mean, are they like five-word updates? No, they're not. <laughs> they're like, you could, uh, each update is about a chapter in a regular book, I'd say. Okay. So yeah, all in all, I, I remember how we did the, uh, how long would it take to read thing? Yeah. Yeah, so I did something similar for this, um, and I think it clocked out at about 90 hours of reading. Okay. So it's pretty, it's long. Okay. It's a long one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I actually started reading this probably about a month ago, but before I brought it to you on the podcast, I wanted to really make sure that I'd actually finished it, so <laughs> I did, <laughs> and it took me a long time. Um, I was binging it pretty heavily at the start, like reading, you know, like five or six updates, parts, um, a day, maybe more, um, and after about a week of solid binging of like three hours of reading a day, I think I was about a third of the way through, so... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So I'm not expecting it's... you to finish this entire one in the whole fortnight, but... Um... Is, there, is there, like, an audiobook? No. <laughs> most... Actually, that's interesting, because it finished in 2013, and I was looking to see if he was planning on publishing a book version or an audiobook version. Yeah, because well, a lot of these things end up getting published, like, standalone. Yeah, like, and this was a like, big... Um... This was, like, an underground cult kind of hit thing. Yeah, well, I mean, because also books like The Martian... Yeah. became a thing right like it was originally just some dude it was like an engineer who just wrote it on the internet and then it got yeah. like published it's the the 50 shades of gray story right you want yeah that's where the, you want your fan fiction to go yeah <laughs> yeah a classic exactly a modern classic no i mean 50 shades of gray was fan fiction that turned into original property and then i actually has become a whole didn't thing. know that you didn't know that I it was, was like, originally twilight snm fan fiction oh, really? i was fact. okay with not knowing that <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're getting a bit off topic here but um so yeah, so he has plans to publish it, but he has recognized that this was the first thing, the, the author, whose name is J.C. McRae, and I don't know what the J.C. stands for, it's never said anywhere, I looked for a long time, it took me a long time to figure out whether he was even male or female, I went to his like author bio and it was like, they, the author, has done this, <laughs> J.C. McRae has done this, even though he was writing it. I found one time where he slipped up and he used he as a pronoun, so I'm like, yep, yeah, gotcha. Um... <laughs> You anyway, win? yeah, I, I beat him. I beat him. Um, he, he's recognised that he has to go back and edit it a lot before it's ready for that. Um, and he said when it finished in like 2013, oh yeah, I have plans for it to become a published book at some point. But you know, it's on the internet. It's so. been three years. Um, 
So, you know. So, I get, like, it's just because he was just sort of making it up as he went along and he wanted to go back and, like, retcon some stuff. Well, or just not retcon, just because he was writing, he was such a, pro- he, he is still such a prolific writer. He was writing so much that the quality can vary and he wanted yeah, to make sure. sure that there are parts of the story where he fixes stuff up and there are parts where, you know, where he, he fixes things that he did wrong. Just because he was writing so much every week that, of course, there would be times where he was, you know, taking it easy one week or something like that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so he, he's actually started, since Worm ended, he's written some other web serials. One that's finished called Pact, I think, which I haven't started reading, but I probably will. Okay. And one called Twig, which is ongoing. He likes his single word names, yeah, apparently. Yeah, very snappy. Um, and he's actually, fun fact, he's actually coming back and planning, he's planning to do a, a Worm 2, just because this was his first thing that he ever wrote, and it was such a hit that, yeah. um... That he, he wants to revisit it, I guess. Anyway, enough talking about the kind of backstory of the author and the, yeah. the thing. Let's talk about what Worm actually is. So, how would I describe it? It's a realistic superhero story, I would say, is the best way to describe it. Okay. So, have you heard of One Punch Man? Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I've seen little like, gifs on the internet, but yeah, like... But you've not, not... I'm not too familiar with it. I know, like, he, he... The general outline of the show is essentially, yeah, One Punch Man is a superhero and he's, like, so good that nothing's a challenge. Yep. And he just has, like, an existential crisis about that. Yeah, he's called One Punch Man because he can beat anything with a single punch. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point I would... The comparison I would draw to One Punch Man is that One Punch Man has this whole kind of system where the question is basically... What if superheroes were real? What would happen, right? Um, and there's this stuff with, like, there's an association that manages the heroes and there's all these kind of things. And in One Punch Man, it's played off as as comedy, but in Worm, it's Worm is a, a drama overall. Okay. Um, it's a pretty gritty and brutal drama at times. Um, there's a lot of messed up shit that happens, a lot of twisted shit. But it's engaging. It's very engaging. And I'd say one of... I'm going to refer to him as Wild Bo, just because that's the screen name he uses for all this stuff. One of Wild Bo's best features as an author is that he's able to create all these really compelling characters um, yeah. and develop them even though... I mean, they'll get their own little parts of this huge story, but they're not main characters, right? Yeah. And uh, he'll come up with interesting powers and interesting ways for people to use these powers and all this really cool stuff that... Um, it makes it really engaging to read, even though sometimes his things like his descriptions and things like his battles are hard to follow at times. He really... Uh, stands alone on the strength of his characters i would say okay so like his writing style could use a bit of work yeah and this was the first thing he ever wrote as well so it's kind of like there are a lot of times when i was reading where i would think to myself wait what what just happened (laughs) and i'd have to reread to like realize what exactly had just happened in the story but um yeah the strength of the characters is really what drives it um so let me talk a bit about the characters i'll give a bit of an intro um so the main character of the story is called Taylor, and she's a she's like a 14 or 15-year-old at the start of the story, still in high school, and she discovers she has the ability to control bugs. Okay. Um, and that is kind of the seed of the story. She wants to go out and... She wants to set out to become a superhero, but she accidentally kind of becomes a supervillain. Um, that's the only sting I'm going to give you about the plot, because this is a very plot-driven and character-driven okay. story. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to spoil too much for you. There's a lot of twists and turns in the story for sure and it goes to a lot of really weird places but engaging places i would say i mean so that's like a weird superpower so controlling bugs controlling bugs like um it's like a are they all sort of weird like that like does he have just the classic like super strength yeah mind reading people as well yeah there there are like mind readers there are psychics but it's very 
balanced, I would say. Okay, like, yeah. the, the powers all strive to be balanced. There's not, like, some tiers of characters that are just really over. Well, there are, there are, but... Um, there's in in universe. There's this thing called the Manton effect, which is how they basically say, "Well, this power is pretty OP, but I'm going to nerf it a bit." Yeah. That's what Wildbo was thinking. I'm assuming. So there's a character who can freeze time for people. His name is Clock Blocker, which is a great name. <laughs> um, if he touches anyone, he can freeze them, um, but they become immune to anything while they're frozen, and it lasts a pretty random amount of time between like one to 15 minutes right okay. so it's you know a strong power but it obviously has its downsides and that's the same thing with anything so I, did you because did you ever watch the show alphas uh i think i watched it once or twice but i yeah. didn't watch it that much because it like it had a very similar system where yeah. every power had like a downside and, yeah and that's exactly the and, same um, as with worm. in fact one of the strengths of the story is that he presents all these characters and their weaknesses and then the main character taylor is kind of she's not super smart but she is able to think around these weaknesses and use them in a really interesting way mm-hmm. which is kind of where a lot of the good parts of the story come in she'll think through these scenarios and be like oh i can use this power to do this and it's kind of it's cool you know it's cool it's yeah. a cool story yeah and so she joins a group of other people who all have quite quite unique and interesting powers um i won't get into that too much though i think it's better if you kind of discover it for yourself i'll tell you mm-hmm. one though who is, I think, probably my favourite character in the entire thing. One of her best friends from through the story is a person called... Well, their superhero name is Tattletail, right? Okay. And her ability is she's basically a Sherlock Holmes. She can intuit from really small pieces of information and kind of fill in gaps really well. Okay. Um, yeah, she's she's a fun character. <laughs> she, she kind of is a lot of the reveals because she'll just find these tiny little clues and link them together in really interesting ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm kind of gushing about this a bit just because when I finished it I really kind of felt bad for finishing it. It was it's it yeah, it was something that I felt, you know, I I spent a month reading these characters and now it had come to an end and it was quite quite sad for many reasons. I mean, this is a pretty realistic and gritty story so yeah. there are, you know, character deaths and shit, but um well, I guess I mean 2011 to 2013 that was like when Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad were at their peak, so that was yeah. really, it was the time for It was the time gritty. for that kind of stuff to happen, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, I've talked a lot about the positives of Worm. I think I should touch on some of the drawbacks. It's Let me talk about the structure. So, it's divided into 30 arcs, right? Okay. And each arc has like six or seven chapters, or, or updates, right? Yeah. Parts. Um, so, there is quite a lot of it, and I'd say around, for about arc 20 to 24, it kind of slows down a little bit. There's a bit of a weird lull in the story. It picks back up a lot towards the kind of gripping conclusion, but there is a lull. I don't. I probably don't expect you to get up to that lull. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if I'll make it that far. Yeah, but I mean, um, the way you're describing it, it sounds sounds a bit like an anime or a manga. Yeah, like. yeah. I'd I'd say it's quite like that. Except the the problem I have with a lot of anime is characters will make stupid decisions for mm. plot, whereas that doesn't happen in this. All the decisions yeah. the characters make are decisions that that character would make and decisions that i would make if i was in that character position right yeah yeah that's good but yeah i I meant sort of in terms of like yeah like that structure with the sorts of arts and stuff it's very it's very anime um although one thing about the structure which i think is a big strength of worm is that in between each of these arcs there's a little one segment interlude which just takes a random not a random but a, a backstory character or a side character and tells an entire little chunk of story from their perspective. Okay. And I think... It's a story that you've already seen from the main characters, but um, just like a separate... Thing. Sometimes, story that you've already seen, sometimes, okay. like, yeah. 
you uh, sometimes or usually I'd say to hint towards something else that's happening in the future. Um, but I think that's one of the strengths of Worm because it really takes you outside and gives you this kind of whole world building aspect, which yeah. and character building aspect as well, which really which really is a strength I'd say. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, so I'll give you this one. I'll give you a word of warning. There are times where Wild Bo's character descriptions and like event descriptions are a little bit off. So one thing I actually found which was really helpful to, for me was um, since it's serialized after and it's it's like a WordPress blog or something originally. Yeah. After each post, there's comments and they're like perfectly spoiler warned because you know the, the it was happening. It was happening in real time, right? Yeah. So the comments for that post will only be about that post and not anything that happens after. So reading the comments is also kind of a good thing to do to kind of make sure you got a grasp on what's happening. Um, yeah, well, because hopefully if there's something that's confusing, yeah. other people... Other people are confusing. confused about and are discussing it. And yeah. that kind of leads into this whole communal thing, which is a bit of a weird feeling. Because these are things these are things people wrote like three years ago, but it still feels communal, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, I guess if there were like mysteries in the plot as it was coming out, yeah. and if there was a community around as it was coming out, there would have been discussions. Yeah, and like which theories, there are. There are. Which, I mean, you get now on, on for TV shows online. Yeah, but because it's serialized and these comments are like a timestamp of the time yeah There's you no can chance of spoilers which is great yeah and you can sort of re- like retroactively jump in and yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's cool. it's really good um and the other thing i'll say is one of the things that really helped me towards the end was just looking at the wiki pages for characters like it's kind of like um i can't remember what the other thing we were talking about was that had this but it was um a character will come back into a story oh it was salem's lot wasn't yeah. it a character will come back into a story and the main character Taylor will be like, "Oh, she has this power, or he has this power. I can use it." And you're like, "Wait, oh, who's that person again?" <laughs> I mean, um, there are a lot of twists, but the the one main wiki for this has like the character descriptions first, and then the plot second. So if you just look at the top <laughs> of the page, you should be fine. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, um, yeah. So hopefully you'll like it. I think you will. Uh, see yeah. how far you can get through it. I mean, I think the the start is some of the strongest stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll see how you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really. There's not much superhero stuff to watch these days, so it <laughs> yeah, should be fun in, to read it. I mean, <laughs> now is a bit of a drought for superhero <laughs> media, right? I but I think this is one of the best ones that I know of. At least one of the best, like, written fiction superhero yeah. stories that I know. Okay, well, yeah. Hi there, Ruben here. Uh, before we jump two weeks into the future on this one, I just thought I would point out that this next part of MediaMD contains spoilers for up to Arc 12 of Worm. So uh, if you're reading Worm and you haven't got up to Arc 12 yet, you should hold off a bit, um, pause your podcasting device, we'll be here when you get back. Yeah, make sure you've read up to Arc 12 of Worm before you continue this episode. Alright, pause it now. And now that you're back, let's continue with part 2 of MediaMD episode 13, Worm. And we are back two weeks later. Um, yeah, so this was a pretty uh, intense one, huh? Yeah, I, I've got I've got so much to say. Um, well, before you get jump into it, let's just start with how far did you get out of thirty yeah. arcs? Uh, I this actually ended up being a really good fortnight for me to be doing it uh, because I had a lot of spare time, um, and I ended up getting through twelve of the thirty arcs. Damn, that's pretty good for um, two weeks. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, it was just like I said, it was just a fortunate. I was I was moving house, so there was lots of packing and unpacking, and um, I had to do a six hour drive uh, multiple times. 
Uh, and I did manage to find there's an audiobook of Worm. Oh, so you were listening to it while you're driving? Yeah, uh, and and while I was packing and, and unpacking uh, the house as well. All right. So that was that was a lot of time. Luckily, it lined up quite nicely. Yeah, um, and lucky there was an audiobook. Uh, so yeah, and I guess going going to the audiobook. So I mean, I tried to read a couple of chapters just to make sure I was getting sort of the whole experience. Yep. Uh, and I ended up quickly leaving that. I'm not a huge fan of, of reading on screens. I don't know. It's <laughs> some problem I've always had. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the the kind of tactile sensation of a book and just reading words printed onto a page just feels so much nicer when there's not a glowing screen staring back at you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's, uh, it's just, I can read small bits on screens, but yeah, I, th- I think I read through about one chapter uh on the site and and got to experience sort of how the comments and all that worked but i mean the audiobook itself is sort of a testament to how there is a community behind this thing so it was a community it was a community project it was basically a group of a group of people got together and just recorded the audiobook for this and so it was basically done as a podcast they released three three parts a week oh Uh, it was like monday wednesday fridays they beat even um, how much Wild Bo himself was releasing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's because there were multiple of them. And uh, it still took uh, about a year and a half. So the last episode came out in like June uh, 2016. But the Damn. first the first episode was, you know, uploaded back in sometime in 2014. So it was a, a little over a year and a half uh, that it took him to push everything out, even at that rate. Yeah. So I guess that kind of just speaks to how, <laughs> to how dense Worm is at times. Yeah, and I mean, uh, so we sort of talked about this on Facebook, but I brought the numbers with me. Um, you mm. know, so it's about one one point seven million words. Uh, worm. Jesus Christ. Uh, and so yeah, to put that into perspective, the entire Harry Potter series is about a million. <laughs> so we're we're looking at about one point seven Harry Potter series. So it's wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty hefty. Um, and I've made Oof. it made it about a third of the way through, a little over. And those books were written over like what six or seven years. Yeah, this this dude, like J.C. McRae, must just write. He can write. Yeah, and because uh, I think that that was a big thing. I think coming into this, like I, I sort of wanted to bring this up early on. Uh, even sort of despite your recommendation, um, I definitely came into this not expecting much. Uh, there was sort of a. Mm. Uh, a sort of prejudice there against just a web, like something like a web serial. And I think that was <laughs> something that was written on a WordPress blog. Yeah, twice a week. exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I felt that too. when I started it. Yeah. Like I was sort of like, oh, even if it's good, I mean, can't be that good. Uh, so I really wanted to start by saying that or may, maybe the expectations had something to do with it, but I, that was completely wrong. I've loved this. And I mean, the writing's not always perfect, but I, I, I'd say mm. it's comparable to professional writing. Um, yeah. Like, really. Which is all the more impressive by the fact that we mentioned multiple times in the first part of the episode, which is, this is the first thing he ever wrote. Yeah, like, uh, I'd be interested to see the stuff he's writing now and see whether it's improved. But, I mean, even mm. if it hadn't, frankly, the writing was, was already good enough to, I mean, get you invested in yeah, get for sure. reading multiple Harry Potter's worth of books in two weeks <laughs> um, okay so enough about word counts and you yes. know how how great his writing is let's get stuck into some meat what did you yeah. tell me more about what you thought about it 
Yeah, so, well, I'll do a quick sort of plot outline, and I want to make sure mm. I do this, just because I plan on finishing it, um, so I don't want... I don't, you don't want me to spoil I don't, it I don't want accidental spoilers to creep in. Spoiler, Snape. Uh, he dies. <laughs> uh, that was in arc 10. Uh, <laughs> no, so yeah, I mean, you sort of covered it, um, really, yeah, so this girl, Taylor, she can control bugs, and uh, it turns out there are a lot more things you could do with bugs than I ever would have imagined. <laughs> <laughs> she does use her power in quite inventive ways, yeah. doesn't she? And, and it's not just her. I mean, everyone. I, th- I think really the biggest thing about this book um, was Serial that I just noticed as I was reading. It's just how well thought out everything was. Like the whole world mm. and everything. Like yeah. that was what really impressed me the most was just you. Like he was constantly bringing things in and then fleshing them out later and everything just balanced really well. Like you talked about the Manton effect and, and how that sort of just made everything make make sense and so even uh even, even uh tattletale like you you mentioned her in part one um mm. the sort of yeah so i mean you described as a sherlock holmes but it's even a bit more than that because it's stuff she couldn't she couldn't possibly know like she it's basically her superpower is she can just sort of learn facts that mm. she wouldn't otherwise know but it's like it's easier for her if she does know so for instance she, she can like guess someone's password or, or the you know the pin number that they use but it's easier for her to do that the more she sort of knows the person and and and, that, and we're not just talking about like birth dates like even if they've completely made up the number like she her power is that she can just sort of know things yeah yeah and so at first she kind of felt like a cop-out from a writing perspective because it was very much it was just sort of like oh we can win now because tattletale suddenly knows x and, and that changed everything <laughs> yeah but the the more very quickly by about arc seven i'd say her power was very defined and it really started to like influence what she couldn't couldn't learn and and i guess as as i sort of came to understand of how more it became less of a crutch for the writing it was almost clever the way he was integrating it yeah and the characters kind of intrinsically learn her weaknesses as well and so they'll say like oh tattletale's not going to be able to learn this thing so let's go about this plan in this way yeah and it's very all the characters kind of know stuff and act like they know stuff, and it's very weird. <laughs> it's it's refreshing. Yeah, like and that yeah that was that was a big part. As I, I liked how sort of there was depth to all the characters and and yeah, like even minor characters, you know, just sort of as they were coming in, you'd very quickly get an understanding for how they think and and everyone mm. was make was performing actions that sort of made sense. Like I didn't, I never really feel like there was a character who came in and was just an idiot all the time except maybe for um bitch but <laughs> yes. then but then later on later on you eventually sort of find out that like one of the side effects of her power is like so it hurts her ability to socialize so it was more yeah it was sort of like oh okay well she's just kind of an idiot sometimes but it's not really her fault it's a side effect of her power um there's also the there was an interesting aspect where and, and it sort of makes sense like this is what you do in real life a lot of the uh capes intentionally mislead other people as to the exact nature of their power so like tattletale pretends that she's completely psychic because so then people think that she knows more than she does um so she sort of bluffs her way despite already being very knowledgeable she bluffs that she knows even more uh skitter also had a few moments where she she would sort of crouch down or she'd cover herself in bugs and then crouch down and make the bugs spread out to make people think that she was made out of bugs. Yeah. Uh, and I liked that. Like, so little things like that. And even some of their enemies, like they get halfway through a fight before Tattletail would be like, Oh wait, that's not their power at all. Their power is actually 
blah 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 this yeah um, they can actually do this fucking thing so you better watch out guys yeah, yeah like they met one guy who said he was a teleporter and he could teleport anything but eventually telltale figured out that he could teleport everything he could switch switch the places of two things and they had to be of similar mass and volume so the more similar the mass and the volume the easier it is for him to switch them yeah so he's often like when he's on the field uh he's constantly switching the places of fighters switching people's positions (laughs) which kind of makes the hard to follow battles even harder to follow yeah and that's my biggest issue is i'm often especially with the audiobook i'm often halfway through a battle and i'm just like man i don't understand half the shit that's happening like i'll understand little bits and pieces i'll understand the individual bits between two people but then suddenly taylor like as she's narrating will sort of drop back and and expect like sort of say something about the battlefield as a whole and i'm just like man how am i meant to know where everyone is in relation to each other yeah like i understand you really need it you need maps to follow the battles at some points don't you yeah uh and i mean one of the things i was thinking when i started this i was actually like this would make a really good tv show but about when i hit about arc eight i completely did a 180 on that and decided that this was much better as a book or like as as a written serial, um, because what really separates this, I think, from like, because you know, superheroes in in a visual media are obviously very dumb. Yeah. The 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 intricacies of the powers and Taylor's thought processes in the fights, I just don't think they could be covered as well in in a visual medium. Yeah, and without getting into spoilers too much, there's a lot of stuff that keeps happening that is basically just about Taylor's thought process yeah. and things that would be very, very difficult to portray accurately without doing some kind of weird, like, Scrubs-esque pause the show yeah. so that the main character can narrate. Exactly. Like, it would be it would be super cringy to do it. And, mm. and, and I think if you took... Well, no, maybe it could work like Scrubs. Now that I think about <laughs> it, I'd kind of like to see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like if you took away these intricacies and these thought processes, then there wouldn't be as much separating worm from just any comic book. Yeah, from show. Captain America or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I mean, I really like Coil as a villain. I don't know if he's the villain for the mm. whole story, but uh, he is at the moment. I won't touch on um, that. We don't want to spoil things. No, but he... Uh, I like his philosophy. I've always liked bad guys, you know, so his thing's basically like he recruits, so he's recruited people, including like the undersiders, so Taylor and and gang. Mm. And the way he recruits people, like he's not one of these guys who's like intimidating with fear and stuff. He, He basically buys people out. So he gives you so much money and gives you the things you want so that betraying him would essentially yeah. end up being like betraying your own self-interest. Betraying yourself, yeah. Uh, His power allows him to basically accrue as much money as he wants. Exactly. Just as a kind of side effect. Um, yeah, so he's he's very wealthy and I, I quite like that because I, I thought, and that, that was, it comes back to the thing, I think all of the characters right down to just the, the minor characters in this book are really well fleshed out and and yeah. and just really good. And anyway, Coil is a great villain because I, I much prefer these villains who... I'll rock away. Like, I, frankly, I think if I ever got superpowers and was trying to be a supervillain, that's probably the way I'd want to operate is not manipulating people by fear, but you, you want people who you can you actually trust. want them trust. to work for you. Yeah you, yeah, you want them to want to be there. <laughs> I really like the interludes um, where they go to other people's perspectives. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the story as well. There's just enough of them that they really give you insight. And so it's great seeing like, like there was a tattletale chapter uh, and there was one about Dinah, the girl who can see all the pathways, and you get really cool insights mm. into how their powers work from their perspective. Uh, and I thought that was the most interesting part. Yeah, and not just that, 
Something I didn't touch on in the first part of this episode is the powers come from these things called trigger events. Yeah. Taylor's trigger event, as an example, is when she's locked in a locker with, what is it, used used tampons and, and pads. And, is that right? Yeah, and, and other stuff. Like It was basically from just all, all sanitary bins emptied out. Yeah, and so that kind of gives you an example of trigger events are these really horrific events in somebody's life and their powers are kind of tied to their trigger event. Yeah. And so especially in these interludes, you really get a sense for basically every cape has their own fucked up story and their powers tie into it in a lot of interesting ways and you kind of explore these messed up backstories of every single cape in a great way, especially in the yeah. interludes, which I really liked. Yeah, and um, I, I liked getting insight into how like things like Bitch or Tattletale's powers worked or Dinah, uh, how her power mm. worked. Like it, So that was interesting. And But there were just... There were not too many of them. Like it still obviously felt like Taylor was the center of the story and we're always getting enough progress in her story. Yeah. But there were enough interludes that it really added to the depth of the world. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah. So, so going back to, to what I was saying before, it's um, mostly through interludes, you get like the dragon, the, the chapter from dragon's perspective where you found out she was like an AI spoilers and not, not this amazing tinker. Um, that was, that was a great, yeah. So stuff like that. And uh, there are a lot of good twists in this story. Yeah, um, and that, like, and and so you, you were getting all these little bits of the world, and so at first I was like, oh, it's just a street-level story, and we get a taste of, like, like you know, they describe things like Scion, who was, like, the original person with superpowers and is maybe not human, um, but it, it's all very confusing. But at first I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those stories where there's, like, more to the world that we don't see, but I think as the story's gone on, I realised... Taylor's getting more and more caught up in this higher level stuff. Yes. And, and I think, I think we might be heading. So like, uh, for instance, one of the arcs I just finished, um, dealt with, uh, so there are these things called the end bringers, which are basically these, uh, three super powerful beings, which Tattletale figured, figured out weren't humans. Like I think the original theory was they were humans whose trigger event turned them into monsters, but mm. Godzilla-esque kaiju style monsters. They're very, um, it, the whole scene where they fight Leviathan when he attacks Brockton Bay, uh, just reminded mm. me of Pacific Rim. We should give a bit of, of background. Yeah, uh, so Brockton Bay is the, the city that it's set in. Leviathan is one of these end bringers and they are very, very, very overpowered. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's basically a thing. So there's this thing called the, the end bringer truce, which is basically when they figure out an end bringer is attacking a city. Uh, all of the heroes and villains basically unite and work together and it's like the all of the government and heroes basically promise not to arrest any villains not to fight each other um yeah and you basically get a free pass just as long as you're helping to fight the Enbringer. and it's like a quarter so and then like the protectorate and the government things they import all their heroes from around the country and so it's basically like all of the most powerful heroes and even foreign foreign heroes yeah um so it's like the whole world sort of gets behind it and then still like a quarter of the people who enter the fight die so you actually i I read something interesting about this which was that when wildbow was writing these endbringer fights there's there's one or two later on in the in the story as well what he would do is he would roll dice for each character to determine whether they lived or died (laughs) which was i just thought was such an amazing way to insert this realism and kind of brute like represent the brutality of these fights in the story is just mm. each character's fate live or death is just determined by the roll of a dice in such a beautiful well, way. I, I mean, there's a huge section in the Leviathan fight, like the first in, in bringing their fighting where they, they lead you to believe that Tattletale has been killed. 
Um, I was yeah. not okay with any of that. Um, yes, I know. <laughs> I was, it, hits, I was, it hits hard. It was such a cheap fake out, but I was okay with it because it just meant that Tattletail was still alive. So that was, uh, you know, it was it was cheap, but as long as she was still alive yeah. in the end. So I mentioned in the first part that Tattletail is my favorite character. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, Regent's a close second, uh, uh, but he hasn't been featured anywhere near as much. So I, I feel like if I could get more time with Regent in the story, I, I could maybe see myself switching. Mm, fair enough. Um, but like Tattletale's sort of arrogant know-it-allness is just so entertaining to read. And her constant, her constant bluffing in fights and stuff is just hilarious. Yeah. Like she'll just say outlandish stuff. It's kind of like that scene in like a, a like a Poirot-style mystery movie yeah. or a TV show where Poirot's like, and I know you are the killer. And, and the killer's like, oh no, it was me. And, and they kind of have this whole, they, they expose their, they monologue basically. Yeah. And then Tattletail is just like, yes, got that one. All right, good. Because <laughs> it, it's often like everyone sort of knows about her power. So it's constantly like, She'll stop talking and people will be like, no, shut up. I know you're just going to manipulate me. Yeah. Everyone knows that she manipulates people by talking to them and then she just does it. It's great. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, you're just going to manipulate me. And she's like, oh, okay. But also, and then we'll just end up manipulating them. And people are like, oh, I know what you're doing, but oh, this is like, she's just so good it's at pushing still working. people's buttons. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's a great character for sure. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the, one of the, so a few other interesting things. So, so coming back to the community of the story. Mm. Uh, I noticed some a lot of interesting things. So the few the few chapters I did manage to actually read, I noticed a lot of interesting stuff in the comments, uh, including people like there was a lot of people sort of doing. I guess I call it like backseat editing. <laughs> so like obviously you you talked about how like you know it it was just like he wants to go back and fix it up. Yeah. Because because you know there wasn't any actual editing like real authors like George R R Martin or J K Rowling. You know they have someone go through and and edit. Um, their, their scripts and he doesn't have that well i thought he didn't but it turns out he does uh it's the the wordpress comment army yeah well after every after every um, new update was made there would always be a thread full of typos for him to quickly adjust yeah and so there were like half of the comments were people saying like oh this sentence is awkward and then there was just like a comment from from wild bow right underneath it being like oh yeah i fixed it <laughs> yeah the other part of that is like i did go to the the wiki for worm a couple of times mm. And I thought it was really interesting because reading a few of the pages, you'd see like the references down the bottom. Because I was like, oh, what chapter was this described in? Like I, I was on the page for Leviathan, the Endbringer, trying to get an exact handle on his powers. Yeah. And there was some of the description of the power. And I was like, I don't remember reading that. Like, how was I meant to understand that? So I went to look up where it was from to make sure like, maybe I was reading it too early. And the the source was actually a comment by Wild Bow on Reddit. Oh, really? describing his power yeah so it turns out he's a prolific redditor and like about half of the the sources that i was seeing if for the for the power of humans wiki were coming from just him commenting stuff on <laughs> just reddit. him commenting on reddit interesting okay so we've been going a bit long talking about worm um, i mean i thought this was gonna happen uh, i i really enjoyed this yeah i mean this is this is the kind of thing it's just it's it's really enjoyable you just want to gush about it and there's so much there's so many deep characters to talk about there is he's created just such a detailed world filled with characters who are worth talking about it yeah it reminds me in a lot of ways of something like uh a song of ice and fire like the game of thrones books by george Armand. in that regard this is this is the most i've sort of gotten involved in a in a world 
and all of the characters inside of it. Yeah, even like even these these joke villains that show up or anything, they all have their intricate personalities and stories yeah. fleshed out not just in the text but in Reddit comments <laughs> as well. Um, but let's let's try and move on from some of the gushing. Yes. Do you have any critiques you want to give? I mean, we touched on how the battles can get a bit uh, hard to follow. Yes, I mean, so that was a big one. Is, is sometimes the the yeah the the battles can just be tough to follow and another one is that you know with this many characters um i mean it sometimes it would take me you know about like 10 minutes after of audiobook after a character was reintroduced before i'd remember remembered what i was supposed to know about them like it would feel a bit less organic in the writing but just like blatantly reintroducing people uh through taylor's narration like probably still would have been a good bet just so i could remember who this was meant to be yeah it happens a lot where there's a character who has an interlude from their perspective and then the next time you see them is four arcs later which is like you know two days or whatever of of reading through this this material or listening through i think that like the first time i I really felt exactly that was um there's an interlude from the from the perspective of this guy called gregor the snail and it introduces uh his gang which is called fault lines crew uh and it's really the first time you're properly introduced to them and then they don't really come into it again for quite a while and i'm and i like as they were sort of fighting this other group like four arcs later i'm like what what are all their powers again (laughs) like they'd be like they'd be like oh neuter came down and used his power and i was like but what is it but what does it do (laughs) like he used his power to explode a hole in the wall and then he used his power to create a bird yeah. and you're like wait what what is his power um yeah and then yeah i guess another critique like i i mean actually to be honest it didn't really bother me but um like sort of there's a lot of clichés in in particular in the personal lives of the uh characters mm. so like the way taylor was sort of overly bullied and, and stuff it was mm. it was very like you know i think everybody's read a million stories that have have the sort of main character with that exact school backstory yeah uh, and yeah. same with like the relationship or the crush she has on grew well stay tuned on that one i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it's all very it, it's all very cliche but i i guess i i, I don't mind that so much because it lets me focus on the rest of it in a way yeah, I, I, I get the sense that as he was starting out writing this stuff, he kind of had to fall back on those cliches a lot. Yeah. As the story develops, they kind of get taken in interesting, or most of them get taken in pretty interesting places, or the ones that he couldn't figure it out, I think he just kind of dropped them a bit. <laughs> but yeah, so stay tuned for most of that stuff, I'd say. Yeah, and so like a lot of the things like, you know, as the Leviathan fight was going on, like this Endbringer's bringing like tidal waves and stuff into the mm. city during the fight. And I was just kind of like, I don't really understand how they're going to like recover the city from this and sort of the story is going to get back on track uh, after this fight. And I've, you know, it's been four arcs for me since that. And I've had to just accept that things aren't going to go back on track um, because the, the city yeah. is now just in ruins. And the city is in ruins. And, and, and now it's being invaded by another gang of terrifying supervillains that are called the, the Slaughterhouse Nine. Um, and so it's just kind of like, you know, it's very messy, but I guess like we've said that I think that's quite realistic. Um, yeah. Like if a, if a giant Godzilla attacked your, your city, it wouldn't be back to normal in a month or no, two. Exactly. You know? uh, especially a city that was already kind of as messed up as, as Brockton Bay was. 
But yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't have too much to critique from this. I've All just right. been thoroughly enjoying it. So you do think you're going to keep going? Yeah, definitely. Uh, as much as I can. Well, I won't, I won't tell you which characters live and die no, then. Please don't. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's end up with the score. Yeah. Then. Um, I'm going to give this a, a nine out of 10. Um, is that the highest we've had so far? I don't know. It feels weird to go higher, mm. but I, I almost want to. Mm. Um, well, maybe after you finish it, we can do a, we can edit the yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd want to, I'd want to wait to finish it before I, before I started going higher than nine out of 10, but so far where I'm up to, it's, it's just been enthralling. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess we've been going for a while, so we should probably end it there, but, uh, <laughs> anyone who's listening slash everyone who's listening, um, go read what it's really good. <laughs> cool. Or listen to the audiobook, but be warned, it's nine gigabytes of audio. Oh, uh, I couldn't it's heavy. Even get, I couldn't even get iTunes to tell me how long it is, but I, I'm pretty sure I've listened to over 100 hours. And I'm, I'm a third of the way through, so All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Media MD. Mm-hmm. I was leaving a space for you to jump in with something there, but all right. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think. I couldn't think of anything, so I just sort of couldn't think of anything. All right, I'll just you. carry this ship by myself. That's okay. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so yeah, on Media MD we have a Twitter, which is at Media MD Podcast. We have a website, which is www.mediamdpodcast.com. And you know what? Why don't you go and rate us on iTunes? Because that would probably help us out. I don't know. I mean, I don't really understand how that whole system works, well, could, but I'm sure it would help. Well, it couldn't hurt unless they gave us a terrible rating. So don't do that. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So if you're going to give us a good rating, then rate us. If you're going to give us a terrible rating... Go rate something else. Then, well, if they're still listening then and they're still taking instructions, then <laughs> give us a good rating instead, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, so next time on Media MD, we'll be discussing the Australian-only documentary series, Todd Sampson's Body Hack. So come back in two weeks to check that out. I will. <laughs>